This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Trapasso here. Welcome in to another episode of the Prospect Podcast. Continuing forward with the NFL Draft Grades series. Uh, we're on the AFC North. Did NFC North last episode, NFC East, AFC East last week. And I'm going to kick it right off like I always do. No dilly-dallying. Baltimore Ravens, the first team we're going to dive into. Uh, Rashad Bateman at number 27 overall. I thought that was a really good pick. It was necessary for this offense to take the next step forward to help Lamar Jackson. And he's just a really good wide receiver. He was that guy that it was really hard to find a clear-cut flaw to his game. And Minnesota, one from the inside, one from the outside. I thought he looked a little bit more sleek in 2020 and was a little bit more physical, more of a rebounder in 2019 when he was sharing the field with Tyler Johnson. Runs good routes. Deceptively good after the catch. I, I wrote that repeatedly during the pre-draft process with Rashad Bateman. Pretty good in contested catch situations. Not crazy fast, but I think he's fast enough being a bigger-ish wide receiver. I mean, he he measured in a little bit smaller than people thought, like 6'1", 190-ish when he was listed, like 6'2", 200, 205 pounds at Minnesota. But very productive for two seasons there with the Gophers. Uh, and I just said Gophers like I was from Minnesota for some reason. I was going to say Golden Gophers. Um, but yeah, Rashad Bateman, really good prospect. Uh, I like that pick in round one. Now their second pick, Odafe Owe, previously known as Jason Owe, but good for him to say, hey, my name is Odafe. Uh, and that's what I'm going to be known as in the NFL. I was not as high on that selection because although they do need edge rushing help in Baltimore, losing Yannick Ngakwe, losing Matthew Judon in free agency, I just I didn't see a first round prospect. He ran four three seven at his pro day at almost six five and two hundred and fifty seven pounds, thirty four and a half inch arms. Like he's a specimen. His three cone was actually under seven seconds, and that's that magical threshold that you really want to see from any prospect. Not a that's not a uh, defensive lineman or an offensive lineman, but I didn't see that type of bend and flexibility around the corner on film. And I saw a swipe move, and that was it. So he didn't have any sacks uh, as or in his final season with the, the Nittany Lions, but I think with Owe, it's all about upside. I just don't know if he's ready to come in and be like the number one or even the number two rusher there in Baltimore on a really good defense. They are going to blitz a lot, so maybe he can get some advantageous situations, one-on-ones or twists and stunts. 
Um, but I think even in those one-on-one situations, Odafe Owe is going to have problems initially winning just with his burst. He The burst is there. I don't even think he's plays to obviously four, three, seven. I think maybe that was a little bit of a pro day figure, but even if he truly would have ran in the low four fours, that would have got him kept him inside the first round. Cause that's really moving at that size. I just think he's very much a developmental rusher. Like you love the upside and if it's tapped into and it's his rough edges are rounded out. Yeah. He can be a, a, a 10 sack, 12 sack guy in the NFL. But for a team that has a Super Bowl window open with Lamar Jackson on that rookie deal, I would have liked to see them go in a different direction in round one. So like Bateman, Odafe Owe, not as keen on that pick at 31 overall, the pick that they got in the Orlando Brown trade with the Chiefs. After that, I gave Ben Cleveland a third round pick at 94, a greater B minus. Gigantic. He's like 6'6", 330, 340, playing guard. And understandably, because of that size, a lot of people were like, oh, this guy's a people mover. He's so powerful. He, he's just like, it, it was easy for him to get a lot of hype during the pre-draft process. Not that he got a crazy amount, but just looking at how massive he is, you think that's a guard. But at 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, that's a little bit on the tall side for the guard position. Although I, I didn't see him getting moved very often by squatty defensive tackles. My big concern beyond a little bit of the leverage was the agility. I, I, I thought he was actually pretty darn stiff, but he's a masher. He wants to play downhill. He had his talents accentuated at Georgia. They over in his entire career and really for the longest time, like since the Nick Chubbs and Sony Michelle days, they wanted to really run the football. Like that is a classic offense, jumbo sets galore, extra tight ends, extra offensive linemen out there and they want to run power mix in some zone stuff but they want to run down your throat so from a scheme perspective i liked it that's why i gave it a b minus i would not have picked him at 94 overall but the scheme makes a lot of sense because that's what they want to do in baltimore and they lost uh, marshall yonda they have some uh questions on the inside of their offensive line so to say hey we want someone that fits our profile of what we want to do on offense I, I was okay with it 104 overall Brandon Steffens the cornerback from SMU I watched him really late and I was very impressed crazy leaping ability he will be able to knock away passes intercept passes because he's a great leaper and that athleticism that explosion from being able to have a crazy vertical translates to his change of direction skill and maybe third round was a bit early uh, but I like the athletic traits and the speed to just be able to recover down the field. So this is, to me, a relatively raw corner, but in that defense, it is predominantly a man coverage defense. Having someone that can just plant and drive on the football, play a little off coverage, it's not bad to mix that player in. And with the athleticism, I'm a big believer in athleticism, indicating how maybe not how good a player will be, but what his floor and his ceiling ultimately will be. And, and Stevens or Stefan's tested like a a top tier wide receiver or cornerback prospect. Uh, So I, I was okay with that. I gave it a B plus after that uh, the day three picks, I'll be a little quicker here. Tylen Wallace gave that a B plus 
he plays faster than his time speed. But the athleticism I just said about Stephens is a little bit of a concern because this, you know, speedster, vertical threat guy, jet sweep player, a lot of big plays at Oklahoma State, thought he would have tested a little bit better than he did. But I do think he plays faster uh, than his 40 time. And he is, and he ran four or five flat, by the way, at like just under six foot and 194 pounds. Vertical wasn't great. The broad jump was a very bad three cone under seven seconds, which that was surprising because he seemed very linear on film. And I think he is beyond playing faster. He is still a vertical threat because his ball tracking ability is tremendous. Back shoulder stuff, climbing over a corner, taking a hit from a safety, still holding onto the football, getting his feet in bounds. He is an outside vertical threat, even though four or five flat in the NFL is not crazy fast for a wide receiver. So at one 31 overall to add to your receiver group with a speedster. I'm totally fine with that. I gave that a B plus after that, Sean Wade, I gave that a C tell me where he's going to play. And then I can move this grade around. If he's a safety, I'm okay with it. Cause I do think he's a good athlete. was a little bit hurt uh, at some parts of the 2020 season at Ohio state, but man, he is not someone that you want in coverage. He is stiff. He plays high. His back pedal is slow. He can't mirror wide receivers that can run any type of intricate route. So for being this big recruit and having a lot of hype going into his season, hey, they're going to give him some time on the perimeter. He failed that test. And if he can't play on the perimeter, he's not playing in the slot in the NFL. But it was in the sixth, fifth round, 160 overall. Next two picks, Dalen Hayes from North, uh, Notre Dame, the edge rusher. He was an intriguing day three player edge rusher for me because I think he has the size, the strength, and the speed to power conversion that is worth taking a flyer on later in the draft. 6'3", 253, really rocked up frame, pretty long arms, tested like an average-ish edge rusher prospect, and doesn't really have pass rushing moves. That's probably why he was picked this late, but uh, I, I saw some ability to bend the corner too. Um, he didn't really test like he has that ability. Three cone, uh, 7.21, which is not great, uh, before being only 253 pounds. But I think he's has upside because the bend and the frame, I think he can be pretty powerful. Just needs to develop some type of pass rushing moves. I didn't really see any of those on film. And then Ben Mason at 184 overall, their last pick. Uh, I mean, fullback. You would say, why are you picking a fullback? I, I still gave it a C plus because I still think even if you're the Baltimore Ravens, there are better ways to allocate a fifth round pick than a fullback. You could probably have gotten him later or just pick another fullback, but he was the best fullback in this class. Uh, not an amazing lead blocker. He's kind of the jack of all trades. He can catch a couple passes. Okay. Lead blocker, um, decent athlete for the position but he kind of feels like a Baltimore Ravens pick. So overall, a lot of Bs for the Ravens. I'm going to give them a B, B minus to B in that range. I think a range is a little better uh, for their draft class. So overall, solid. I think they could have done a little better uh, early on. And Sean Wade, I didn't love that pick in round five. And then the fullback to end their draft class. Moving now to the Cincinnati Bengals uh, with Jamar Chase. And I thought that was the right pick. Penny Sewell would have been a fine selection, but with the connection that Chase has with Joe Burrow, you had to go Jamar Chase. It would have been strange 
and a little bit, not like a slap in the face to your quarterback, Joe Burrow, but if like, hey, we can pick your guy from LSU who is an elite prospect, but we're going to pass on him. We're going to pick Penny Sewell. The connection is there. The only concern I have for Chase, for Jamar Chase is that he's not amazing beating press at the line of scrimmage. He tries to bench press the cornerbacks. And it even worked in the SEC, and I said this a lot during the pre-draft process and wrote this, for it to be able to work where he could out-physical SEC cornerbacks, even guys at like Alabama, that's amazing. And like A.J. Terrell from Clemson. But with footwork and handwork at the line, I didn't really see that with him. Everything else about Jamar Chase's game reminds me of like a more slightly more explosive A.J. Brown or just A.J. Brown 2.0. I think I loved A.J. Brown in the 2018 draft, 2019 draft class. He was my number one wide receiver. I feel similarly about Jamar Chase. And we know A.J. Brown's become, a, I think, a borderline superstar two years into the NFL. Jackson Carmen at 46 overall. I gave that a B minus. He's going to play guard so that I, I thought it would be tackle initially. It was a little bit earlier than I had him graded. I was higher on Carmen than most people. I thought, I mean, because he weighed in and measured in a little smaller than like his listed, he was like listed like 6'5", 335, 340, and he was like 6'4 and a half, 317, uh, and had shorter arms than people thought. But that was maybe a little concerning and why his stock took a little bit of a dip. But I thought he was very good protecting Trevor Lawrence's blind side. Like, got stretched to the limit athletically on a few occasions in those bigger games against quality opponents. But I thought his he's very effortlessly powerful. Uh, he moves pretty well, being this bigger, wider body type. Uh, and his balance was pretty good. So I to go back in round two and say, hey, we picked a receiver in round one. We're going offensive lineman in round two. Was smart. But... Now that he's going to be a guard and they still kind of have a hole at tackle, I was a little concerned about that. Gave Joseph Osai the third-round pick at number 69 overall in A. This was awesome value for the Cincinnati Bengals. He's long. He's super explosive. We saw that at his pro day. Uh, and he was someone that I dubbed as an ascending rusher. There's a few guys every draft class I call an ascending rusher. Osai was one of those. And what is an ascending rusher? It's when you show improvement from year to year and your pass rushing moves become more prevalent and your bend gets a little better or your power gets a little better. I think all those things with Joseph Osai from 2019 to 2020 got better. I think he can still improve his pass rushing moves. They were pretty decent, but they're not amazing, but at almost six, four and almost 260 long arms, 41 and a half inch vertical, 131 inch broad jump. That's like a first round edge rusher profile. I mean, he didn't run the three cone, but I thought he was plenty bendy, bendy around the edge. And I think he sets a pretty strong edge as a run defender. So that is someone I think can be a plug and play edge rusher to get him in the third round was very good value by Cincinnati. Cameron Sample, I gave us a B minus, the edge defensive lineman from Tulane. He's fascinating because of his body type. He's like 6'2", 280 with crazy long arms. Like, where do you play him? I don't think he can be an edge rusher in the NFL on a consistent basis because he's not a great athlete for that position. He was 6'2 and 3 fourths inches, 267 at the Tulane Pro Day. So not quite 280, but I think he could play to that range. The three-cone drill was slow. It was 7.4 seconds. The short shuttle was also pretty slow in the 30th percentile among defensive ends. But he's long, and he uses his hands well. Like He has a pass rush plan on most of his reps. 
And he because he's built so low to the ground, there is leverage and there's speed to power to his game. But I think they'll move him mostly inside and say, hey, play closer to 280 so you can withstand the bigger, powerful blockers on the inside. Uh, and, and I think Cameron Sample, to add to your offensive and defensive lines, never really uh, against that. Like I, I think that's a, typically a smart thing for, for uh, any team to do, especially one that's trying to rebuild like the Cincinnati Bengals are. 122 overall, Tyler Shelvin. I gave him, and I'll be quicker because this is starting in the fourth round, day three. I gave it an A minus because I thought this was the correct value for him. I am not in general a big fan of picking um, nose tackles, like even this early. And I know on some previous podcasts, I was like, why are the Detroit Lions picking Ali McNeil? But they picked him at like 71, 72 overall. This is 122. Shelvin is a monster. He's a great high-end run defender. He sheds blocks very well. We know he's a great two-gapper from his time there at LSU. And I think he's got some juice off the field. If he can just keep his weight between like 340 and 360, which seems crazy, but that's how big of a frame he has, I think he can be a difference maker on the inside. They added, they added Larry Ogunjobi to that front from the Cleveland Browns in the division. They have a lot of beef up front, and I think that's going to help. There will be a ripple effect on that defense. They have good uh, safety play. They need better play in the trenches, and I think they'll get that uh, with a lot of these players, with Joseph Oshai, with Cameron Sample, and Tyler Shelvin. The second fourth-round pick for Cincinnati, Deontay Smith from ECU. Very fascinating prospect. I gave this an A-, minus, by the way. He's rocked up. He looks like a big like tight end or, or like outside linebacker. He's 6'4", under 300 pounds, but was a nasty blocker at the Senior Bowl, and it shows on film. He's trying to quick set defensive linemen, get into their frame before they can get into their pass rushing moves and drive them back and drive them into the turf. I think he does obviously need to get a little bit bigger uh, and get some more weight in his lower half to anchor a little better, but he's crazy long. I, I thought a, a in terms of a developmental type, he was one of my favorites uh, in this draft class. I mean, oh, 6'5", almost 6'6", 305. I think he was under 300 pounds at the Senior Bowl. 35 and a fourth inch arms. And tested pretty well. The broad jump in the, I guess this is for this is for offensive tackles. Uh, a broad jump in the 92nd percentile for offensive tackles. Deontay Smith, or I don't know if it's Dante or Deontay. Uh, that is someone I could see being a starting tackle in Cincinnati in 2022. And don't be surprised if he does play some guard. But that is a crazy long guard with over 35 inch arms. I really liked his film. I think the athleticism is there. Short area quickness, pretty pretty balanced. Uh, he's. I think this is a, a, a really smart pick because he is one of the more fun and compelling developmental blockers in this class. Evan, McSpe Evan McPherson was the best kicker prospect in the class. His accuracy wasn't as good last year as it was in 2019. I never like to see talk about ascending rushers, kickers that aren't as accurate in their final season as they were the year before. And you're picking a kicker in round five. You could not the best allocation of draft capital. After that, of these three last picks, Trey Hill, the interior offensive lineman from Georgia, he's a run blocking specialist. I don't think he has a ton of upside as a pass protector because the athleticism isn't great, but he will execute his assignment on combo blocks, reach blocks. He'll help out uh, teammates at guard. 
when he when he needs to. I, I just don't think he's got a lot of upside. But it's a sixth round, 190 overall. Add to that offensive line. Chris Evans, very, very crazy career. He was at Michigan for like 10 years, it felt like. His best season was 2016. He's springy, he's twitchy, and he's like 5'11", 215, 220. Good receiver out of the backfield, too. I mean, to think that a six-round pick is going to come in at running back and be a difference maker is probably foolish, but he is sneaky, like was a big recruit, has the sneaky frame and athleticism combination plus those soft hands to actually make a little bit of an impact if there are some injuries, if they want to use a huge running back committee. I, I like that pick. I gave it a B-. And then lastly, Wyatt Hubert at 235, the edge rusher from Kansas State, I give this a B plus. I thought this was one of my favorite round seven selections. He is high motor all day. And there were some flashes of crazy flattening ability to the quarterback. And I think he's pretty good using his hands. There's not a crazy amount of power to his game, but again, talk about developmental types. He was worth the selection. I think at 235 over 235, 235 overall Wyatt Hubert. And he was really productive at Kansas state. I think probably why he dropped is that the pro day was not very good at like just under six, three and two fifty eight. but he's squatty. He can dip and bend on occasion. Sometimes he was getting pushed past the quarterback, but again, seventh round pick, like definitely worth it. So for the Cincinnati Bengals had a bunch of picks. I'm going to give them from looking at my picks on the CBS Sports Draft Tracker and, and what I thought about Jamar Chase in round one when Pete Prisco was on the tracker, um, I'm going to give them B plus, A minus range. I really think they did a good job. I, I didn't like Evan McPherson and Trey Hill, but it was later. Beyond that, a bunch of Bs, a couple As. So I think the Cincinnati Bengals really improved their roster in this draft. Uh, so we've done the Bengals. We have oh, Let's do the Steelers. Save the Browns for last. Okay, Pittsburgh Steelers, Najee Harris at 24. He was my number one running back. So from that perspective, we'd say, oh, you like the pick then. Not at 24. I had him graded in the 40s, which is actually really high. Like I had Jonathan Taylor like in the 40s, and that even felt high for me based on position addition and how I feel about the value for the running back spot. And I've started to kind of change my thinking there. Like if you feel like you're getting a great running back, you're going to get four good years out of him and then let him walk. All right, fine, because this is not all about the long game and how good you're going to be for 10, 15 years. You got to win now if you're a GM and coach. So I, I probably, I don't know if I'll add some position addition to the running back position next year, but I still don't obviously think it's super valuable in terms of using a first round pick there. But he was my first corner, or my first running back. And I was a little confused with what the Steelers did after this in round two with Pat Fryermuth because I thought they needed to go offensive lineman. I gave it a C plus. He didn't really do it for me on film. I went in thinking he was going to be like mini Gronk. I didn't see a ton of separation skill. I think he's okay at getting open and his yards after the catch ability. Same thing. But is he going to be a real needle mover as a pass catcher? I don't really see that. And he's an okay blocker. So I would have liked the Steelers to go offensive lineman there for Najee Harris, who is an amazing receiver. I think he's Le'Veon Bell 2.0. I've said that on this podcast many times. But then in round three, Kendrick Green gave it an A-. He is an instant starter at center. He is, to me, the best pure center 
in this draft class. And yes, better of a pure center than Landon Dickerson because Landon Dickerson, who went to the Eagles in the second round, cannot play center in the NFL at 6'6 six, six and 340. He can't. And I think he's pretty stiff. Kendrick Green is not stiff. The short area quickness, he's very sudden in his lower half. And he's a former wrestler. He's very, very naturally powerful. Does not look like he's exerting a lot of energy. Puts people in the turf. The balance is good. There was a few like strange whiffs in pass protection on film where I almost think like he didn't understand his assignment because he just like let an interior rusher like go right past him. But 99% of the time he was really getting after on every snap. So that was a smart pick. They were patient. They let the draft come to them. They still get Kendrick Green. Great pick for them in round three. Then round four, Dan Moore Jr., another patient pick on the offensive line. Tested relatively well, but I love how long he is and how effortlessly strong he is. It's almost 6'6", 311, 34 and a half inch arms. He is a tackle. I don't know. I think there was some rumblings about him playing guard. He 100% is a tackle. He was his film. I watched the Texas A&M offensive line late, like him and Carson Green. I really liked what they did in pass protection on film. Carson Green, I thought, was actually even a little bit of a better athlete. But Dan Moore, his anchoring skill and his just upper body strength, the torque between his upper body and his lower half, fantastic. He is, to me, even in the fourth round, an instant starter. Reminds me, even though different positions, of uh, Kevin Dodson, who the Steelers picked last year on day three and was this big, bulky, very powerful player, very close to being NFL strong. That's what they got with Dan Moore Jr. After that, a couple seasons in a row, Buddy Johnson, He's throwback. He's an old school guy. Uh, and I think they still like to have a thumper in Pittsburgh next to Devin Bush. Um, they lost or they still have Vince Williams. I don't know why I thought I thought they lost him for a second. He's that type. He's a downhill player. I don't think he's quite as good as Vince Williams. Um, but I don't see a lot of coverage ability to his game. Was very productive in college, though. So maybe in the fourth round, they're like, hey, this guy was around the football. Let's just add to our linebacker group. We had the injury to Devin Bush last year. Let's just shore up that position in terms of depth. Didn't love it. Thought 140 was a little early. Isaiah Loudermilk from Wisconsin. Uh, he's big. He's almost over oversized for the position. 6'7", almost 300 pounds. Uh, heavy hands, but he just doesn't use them very frequently. And I don't know how fast he is to be able to turn some pressures into sacks. And I, I don't think we should lean on him or the Steelers should lean on him as a premier uh, pass rusher because I don't really think that's his game. He did not test very well. Uh, and I don't know why I said 300 pounds. He was 6'7", 274 at the Wisconsin Pro Day, but just did not test like anyone that has a ton of upside. But then later in round six, this is kind of the tale of this class for the uh, Steelers, some head scratchers, and then later on getting a player I liked. Quincy Roche, again, another one, didn't test well, and that's probably why he dropped, but 6'3", 230, 240, somewhere in that range, maybe could play in the mid-240s. Crazy pass rushing moves. Like, he has every move in the arsenal, and I think he's bendy. I think he's bendier on film than he was at the Miami Pro Day, the production at Temple, and then one year at Miami, through the roof. Like, he is a very good, refined edge rusher. To get him in the sixth round, to add to that group, I mean, you pick louder milk before him. He's probably going to be a little more inside, uh, you know, with his hand in the dirt in three, four fronts for Pittsburgh. But you have TJ Watt. He's an elite pass rusher. 
you have Alex Highsmith, you lose Bud Dupree in free agency, you need more depth on the edge. I think Quincy Roche can make the team and be a pretty good player in Pittsburgh. After that, Trey Norwood, uh, he's not crazy twitchy. I think he's a little on the stiff side, uh, but he had good uh, ball production late in his career at Oklahoma. Didn't hate that pick round seven. And then Presley Harvin, the big punter from Georgia Tech, won the Ray Guy Award. Uh, I can't say much else being honest about punters. Um, but round seven, I gave it a C- minus because I don't think you really ever need to draft a punter. But if you're going to do it, 254 overall, it's worth it. Overall, the Steelers, uh, I, I had it was a it was a roller coaster ride. I had ups and downs with how I felt about their class. Um, but I'll give them a B, C plus to B minus, somewhere in that range. I liked Roche in round six. Really liked the two offensive linemen. I just don't think Fryermuth was a great pick at 55 overall. And Najee Harris, I hope they can get the most out of him. I hope these offensive linemen, for Najee Harris's sake, Kendrick Green and Dan Moore hit the ground running because they have Kevin Dotson. They still have David DeCastro uh, that they could get the most out of him. I just would not have picked a running back in round one, even if the Steelers were thinking, hey, this is like the end for Ben Roethlisberger. Let's try to maximize what we get out of him by drafting a running back, a playmaker, another playmaker, a tight end. But it's not going to work if the offensive line isn't great. And I think even if Kendrick Green and Dan Moore Jr., are ultimately really good, it's going to take time for them to acclimate to the NFL level. So C plus, B minus range for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And last but not least, the Cleveland Browns. I thought the Greg Newsom pick at 26 overall was fantastic. It matched value with need, and he is going to be a really good player in that super revamped secondary. I like the fact that Greg Newsom does not have to be the number one corner because I think he does have a tendency to get over aggressive and try to if he's if he were to have been matching up on a consistent basis with number one wide receivers at the NFL level, I think he would have leaned on his physicality a little bit too much. And usually when you're a rookie, you don't have really a reputation to be a star guy. You're going to see more flags. And that's really was my own own only own concern for uh, Greg Newsome that he gets a little handsy and that he had some injuries uh, in college. But the fluidity, the ball skills uh, were tremendous uh, in terms of being able to stay in phase and then find the football, plant and drive, I thought was certainly first-round caliber. And it's I don't know if it was the biggest need corner with Denzel Ward there, but add to your receiver or add to your corner group. You're playing in a conference with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, a lot of firepower. Uh, Justin Herbert. So it, it it was a smart decision and it again, matched value with where I thought he should ultimately go. Then in round two, Jeremiah Owusu Kormoa will never know why he fell. There was some reports after that there was like a heart condition, but the Brown said, no, there's not. He's fine. We're fine with it. He was my number one highest graded Defender in the class, higher than any of the edge rushers, any of the corners, uh, safeties, whatever it may be. He was, to me, the best defender in this class. So A-plus for that pick. I hope they let him be a freelancer. We just saw Isaiah Simmons take a little bit of time to acclimate, and he did play better down the stretch, like the last couple of games for the Cardinals. But in the beginning, it was like, why is this guy not playing? Like, they don't know where to play him. He doesn't know the playbook. Hopefully in Cleveland, they're just like, let Awusu Koromoa 
run around and make plays because I think that is his specialty. And that's what you want for a second, third level defender. Covers like a safety, super explosive, fast, awesome athlete at the linebacker spot. And I do not care one bit that he was like six foot and 215. I think that's totally fine size and weight for today's linebackers. I really do. Anthony Schwartz, I gave it a B. Third round pick, wide receiver from Auburn. Super fast. They didn't really use him or get to use him that much as a deep threat at Auburn. They tried to use him on a ton of reverses and end arounds and jet sweeps and bubble screens. I don't think he's crazy elusive. He's just really fast. And to add that speed element, I thought was okay value at 91. And it made sense for the Browns because they have a lot of underneath and intermediate targets. Get someone that will really threaten a defense deep beyond Donovan Peoples-Jones. They get there with Anthony Schwartz. Then I gave an A minus uh, and we're on to day three. So I'll be a little quicker to the pick of James Hudson, the offensive lineman from Cincinnati. Similar to Deontay Smith, who the Bengals picked in round four. Uh, he's a developmental type. He likes to quick set because he is a good athlete. He fires out of his stance. First thing you notice on film. And he's nasty. In pass protection, though, he's got a ways to go. He's uh, not the most fundamentally sound with his balance. He lunges a little bit, gets a little too over aggressive. But the offensive line is good. Let him learn from this veteran-laden offensive line. He can be maybe your swing tackle uh, in 2021, and then at some point, if he needs to be inserted into lineup at tackle or guard, I think he can do that. Tommy Togiai, after that, uh, the offensive or offensive defensive lineman from Ohio State, I gave this a B. Good bull rusher, and the twitch is there in terms of getting lateral. I don't think he's great, and the pass rushing move Arsenal is not not very. There's, it's, it's almost non-existent. He likes to bull rush, and that's pretty much it. So I think in round four, to fill in some holes on the defensive line, that made sense. Tony Fields, I think relatively low upside, even though you would think, hey, Chris, you, you love these small athletic linebackers. I don't think he's a great coverage defender, and there's a difference between just being small and fast and being a good coverage linebacker. Not all small linebackers are awesome in coverage. But I like that he was productive at Arizona and at West Virginia. If they can keep him clean up front, and I think with Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney, they could, but the interior of the Browns defensive line is probably the weakness uh, of this team. So I think he's going to have problems getting off blocks. And then in coverage, I think he just has a ways to go. Um, Richard LeCounty from Georgia, I like this pick, gave it a B minus, which I gave Fields a B minus and LeCounty a B minus, but I feel better about the LeCounty pick now that the dust has settled on the draft. He ran slow at, at his pro day, and that's why he probably landed at 169 overall in the fifth round. I thought he was more of a third or a fourth round uh, type of prospect. Great range from the deep middle, and he runs the alley very well. He's not a box safety. He is a traditional free safety instincts all day in terms of reading his keys when he's attacking the run and just reading route concepts and the quarterback size. I think he could be a very good value pick to add to, again, secondary that's it's added a lot of pieces and looks a lot better on paper this year than it did in 2020. Then in the sixth round, Demetric Felton. I, I thought running back some depth at that position was kind of a sneaky need for the Browns. They get someone in Felton, was a wide receiver for his first three years at UCLA, transitions to running back. He's not going to bang it between the tackles. He's not Nick Chubb. He's not Kareem Hunt, but he can run receiver routes. You can split him out wide and have technically three running backs on the field, and he can kick out, play in the slot, 
create some separation, not against corners, but against linebackers and some slower safeties. Uh, I think his wiggle, his vision is pretty good because maybe just the, the spatial awareness that you have to have when you're playing wide receiver translated to running back for him. So I thought in round six at 211 overall, uh, he is another one. And it's kind of the theme of this whole division plays faster and more sudden than his pro day, which was not very good. But I think, I mean, five, nine, like five, eight, five, nine, one, eight, one eighty, one eighty five. He's like the size of a slot receiver. And I think that was worth a pick in round six at two eleven overall. It'll be interesting to see if he can make a splash play here or there, just because again, the vision is good, decent cutting ability and that he can just, he's not a swing pass screen running back. You can let him run routes and he can get open. So overall, I really liked what the Cleveland Browns did. They were my best draft class in the AFC North. They are getting a B plus A minus. I really liked what they did, uh, especially with those two early picks, and those have to weigh a lot heavier. All right, that'll do it for me tonight, or today, I should say. Uh, We're going to move over. Let's see, we've done NFC East, AFC East, and we've done the North. Let's do the West next week. Draft grades will continue to roll on. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Tell me how horrible this podcast is or how much you like it. I hope you really like it. We will, again, get into a lot of scouting stuff for the 2022 class over the summer and plenty of young player analysis. Rookie of the year, second-year breakouts. How about third-year breakouts? I was scouting that 2019 draft class. Maybe even fourth-year breakouts. My first year at CBS was 2018. Those players are going into year four the last year of a lot of the contracts for those players. Uh, We'll do a lot of that over the summer after I get through these draft grades, but I promise I would do these for all 32 teams. Again, thank you for listening. I'm Chris Trapasso. This was the Prospect Podcast.